0: When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world." For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king answered, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I wasn't hungered, and ye gave me no meat, I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink, I was a stranger and ye took me not in, naked and ye clothed me not, sick. And in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he say unto them, or then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to understand this passage of Scripture. Lord, it doesn't matter what commentaries say or what commentators say. What matters is what your Word says. So, Father, please help us as we uh, dive into your Word to get the answers tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, One of the things that I want to emphasize as we begin this study tonight is, and I said this Wednesday night, any of you can do this. Um, Brother Fager spoke on this passage while we were uh, on Baptist History trip last year, and he just did a masterful job of explaining this text. Well, when he got done, most of the preachers were just in awe, and they were amazed, and they were wondering, "Man, I wish I could do that. And I, Where'd you learn to do that?" And I wanted to just hand them a concordance. No. Brother Faggart is a brilliant man. He doesn't come across that way. He just comes across as just some country guy. But I think he's got a photographic memory. If he doesn't, it's a near photographic memory. He's amazing. Um, but as far as the actual... And so his ability to deliver is it, tremendous. But as far as the actual material, all of you can do this. So we're going to do this tonight. We're going we're to just scour the scriptures. And again, I hope that we are uh, getting into your heart that God has given us the answer for even these difficult passages in His Word, if we're willing to take the time. Amen? He will unlock it for us. He has promised to do that as we compare things spiritual with spiritual. All right, so now, at the beginning of the millennial reign, there is a judgment. It is called the judgment of the nations. That's what's being spoken of here in chapter 25 of Matthew. Now, remember we said this morning that there are three primary judgments. There are some other judgments uh, that we're not going to deal with tonight. Um, but the primary judgments, and they, they, they happen in this order. The Bible says the judgment begins at the house of God, 1 Peter chapter 4. So the house of God is according to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 14 and 15. But these things write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself... In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and ground of the truth. So if judgment begins at the house of God and the house of God is the church of the living God, then the first of the judgments must be the judgment seat of Christ that's given for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So that is the judgment seat of Christ. That is where the believers will give an account for their work, for their work. And they will be judged on what sort of work they did. Whether it was good work or bad work. Whether it was wood, hay, or stubble. They will be saved. They're not going to go to hell. They were saved. Some of them will be saved, yet so as by fire. What will be lost there is a loss of reward. And we looked at that this morning. The third judgment is the great white throne judgment. And that's found in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. And I saw the, the, the dead, small and great, stand before a great white throne. Uh, and him that sat on the fo- throne, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And then they were judged out of the books. But out of the books, here's the way that they were judged. According to their works. According to their works. So people are judged according to their works in the Word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 11, you have the angels of light, ministers of Of darkness that are pretending to be apostles. The Bible says that they shall be judged according to their works. So here's the way it works work, works, and here's how it works. As believers, the only way that you can be saved, the only way that you can know that you have eternal life, is by grace through faith. Grace is a gift. So we use the, 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 the pen. Does this bother anyone? Okay, so we use <laughs> the pen illustration. <laughs> so I'm going to make this pen. I've got a cheap pen tonight. I might even let him keep this one. Um, here is a, here's a pen. I'm going to make it a gift to Nick. What do you have to do to make it yours? Take it. You just have to take it. So that's what you have to do to receive a gift. You just have to take it. Now, in order to keep that pen, you've got to wash my car every week for the next 10 years. What are you going to do? He's going to give me a cheaper pen back. <laughs> you can't trust this guy at all, man. You shake, you shake your hand, you better count your fingers when you're with this guy. All right? So here's the idea. Salvation is a gift, and it's something that you receive as a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we understand that. So grace is a gift. And eternal life, salvation, is a gift. And so the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So as believers, we have come to the Lord understanding that we're sinners, we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life, and as such, we are born again people. All right. So when we're born again, then we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our work. Those who stand before the great white throne judgment are judged according to their works, according to their works. And the, 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 the verdict of the judgment, if you want to be judged by your works, is going to be hell. Actually, the lake of fire, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire where they're going to be forever. The bottomless pit forever. And remember, whatsoever God doeth, Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse fourteen, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. That this, this God doeth, that men should fear Him. So it's eternal. The Bible. Remember, we look at Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two, and we have those primary principles. Those six principles. The sixth being eternal judgment. So when God judges something, it is forever. So the first judgment, the order of the judgments is this, judgment seat of Christ. The Lord returns, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the rapture of the church. When we are raptured, then that judgment seat of Christ takes place. Only believers are at the judgment seat of Christ. The third judgment, the great white throne judgment, takes place at the end of the millennium. You have the rapture, the thousand-year millennium. At the end of the millennium, you have the great white throne judgment. And then we go into eternity with God. But at the, the, the great white throne judgment, that is only lost. There are no believers. No one born again is at the great white throne judgment. And the verdict of the great white throne judgment is only hell. The verdict of the judgment seat of Christ is you. you are either rewarded or you lose rewards based on the kind of work that you have done in the church. That's what's judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Not how you've treated people here. This passage is dealing with the judgment of the nations. The judgment of the nations. Here's how I know it. Look at Matthew chapter 25. It's amazing what you can learn by reading the words. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 32. And before him shall be gathered together what? This is the judgment of the nations. So now, these are not individuals. These are nations. When does it happen? Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. When does he sit on the throne of his glory? In the millennium. So this takes place at the beginning of the millennium. How do I know that it's at the beginning of the millennium? Um, We'll get there in a minute. Jesus Christ is here from verses 31 on. This is part of what's called the Olivet Discourse. What's happening in chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew is Jesus Christ is answering a question that several of his disciples asked him. Let's look at that question. Chapter 24 and verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, that's why it's called the Olivet Discourse, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So he's answering the question, what are the signs of your coming and the end of the world? He is answering that question. Now, this chapter... These passages, verses 31 through the end of the chapter, of chapter 25, are a cross reference to chapter 24, and look at verse 29. This is how we know when these things are going to take place. Do you see any time words here? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Now, I hope that you'll mark the tribulation of those days because that's a defining phrase for us. Remember, we let the word of God define things. And God gives us these clues, these interpretive clues, all through your King James Bible. So when the Bible says the tribulation of those days, now when you start reading your Bible and you see in those days or after those days, you know that there is a tribulation context. So, the Bible says that as the the shepherds were tending their sheep in those days, the angel appears unto them and announces that Jesus Christ is coming. What is the context there? Well, the world was a mess. The Jews were being held captive by a nation. And the king was about to come. Does that describe the tribulation period? Yes. Yes. So, you'll always find some kind of context similar to that. But in most places it's more specifically dealing rather than a type of the tribulation it is actually dealing with the tribulation period when you see those days and we'll find that again in some of the passages we're going to look at today so immediately after the tribulation of those days this takes place after the tribulation this judgment takes place after that seven year period so Matthew 25 31 takes place at the same time so now We're still back here in Matthew 24, verses 29. Let's look at verses 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Um, That didn't work. And the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, it's interesting, this passage, well, you have people like R.C. Sproul, who teach that this was fulfilled in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed. Somehow, I don't remember any of those things happening in A.D. 70. Amen. I mean, I wasn't there, but Carol. Oh. <laughs> That's not right, is it? No, the, the, you see these. Uh oh, I know better than to talk to Carol, especially when she's at the back. I can't hear what she's saying back to me. All right, but here's the here's the deal. We know that all of these things are yet future because uh, these are not allegories. This is not type of, This is not a. Uh, 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 he's not using the language of types or allegorical language, metaphorical language. He's saying this is what's going to happen. Amen? All right? So this is all talking about that same period of time. All right. I'm bogging down. Let's roll. Um, look with me at Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. And let me say this, man, vitally important. We're going to be going through some of these minor prophets. If you don't know where they are, use your table of contents. It's why it's there. Amen? Amen. Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. The Bible says the Son of Man shall come in His glory. And now let's look at what happens. And again, we're going to have one of those phrases that helps us know when this takes place. Joel chapter 3 and verse 1. For behold, in those days and in that time, So you understand that in those days is defining a specific time. All right. So those days is the tribulation for behold, in those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I also will gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So this obviously does not concern the church, because believers are taken out, were removed from this earth at the rapture before the tribulation period. This is after the tribulation, and we're going to return with him. These judgments, the judgment of Matthew chapter 25 and Joel chapter three, occurs, or this judgment concerns the people of Israel and the gathering of all nations. Now, when the Lord gathers the nations together, the purpose of this gathering is to fight with them. That's why He's gathering. It's not to have a little powwow. It's not to chat. It's to fight with them. Um, Look at Joel 3, 2 again. And I uh, and, uh, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel whom they have scattered among the nations. Let's see how he's going to plead with them. Let's see how he's going to gather them. Look at uh, Isaiah chapter 34. Isaiah chapter 34. We're going to start reading in verse 1. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 34, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Come near ye nations to hear, and hearken ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. So we're in Isaiah chapter 34, now we're in verse 2. For the indignation of the Lord is upon what? Alright, so now you're starting to see how we're cross-referencing this now we're starting to understand it for the indignation of the lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies he hath utterly destroyed them he hath delivered them to the slaughter their slain all show also shall be cast out and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses and the blood shall be melted i'm sorry and the mountains shall be melted with their blood and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth off the vine. And as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edomia, upon the people of my curse to judgment. Let me say a couple of things. Look at verse 5. My sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Edomia. When his sword is bathed in heaven, here's something that will help you understand what's going on. We need to understand the Bible talks about three heavens. The first heaven is where the birds fly. The second heaven is the stars. The third heaven is where the throne of God is. We've, when we have studied how uh, Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I will be exalted above the clouds, above the stars, ab- above the earth, above the clouds, above the stars, above the planets. And he was going to be above the throne of God. He had to go into those three heavens in order for that to happen. Now, as God returns, as the Lord Jesus Christ returns to establish his kingdom and make war against these nations, he's battling the hosts of heaven on the way here. He's battling Satan, Lucifer, and his angels on the way here. His sword is bathed in heaven. He's obviously not fighting people in heaven. Amen? All right, now... Um, when the Lord returns, he will pass through the second heaven. And one of the identifying titles of Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Um, Isaiah, chapters 34, Isaiah chapter 34, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says that all the host of heaven shall be dissolved. Do you see that in verse 4? And the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll... All the host of heaven shall be dissolved. He is fighting the host of heaven right here. Dissolved, destroying them. Um, Verse 5, Jesus is fighting a supernatural battle before he ever gets to the earth. Then, verse 8, if you look at verse 8, well, let me say this, as far as Edomia, if you're wondering Edomia, that's Edom. That's the descendants of Saul or of, uh, of Esau, and they've been a thorn in the side of Israel all along, and they are representing Idumea here represents all the heathen nations that he's going to be fighting, okay at this battle. Um, let's skip down to verse eight, "For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. God has a controversy with these nations over Zion. What you need to understand about this judgment of the nations and this controversy that the Lord has, it's about land. He has a controversy with Zion or with them over Zion. Look at what it says uh, for the controversy of Zion. The land does not belong to Israel. The land belongs to God. And he's going to give it to Israel. Amen? Now this battle, this controversy that he has, we're going to learn some things about it. It's over the land and who owns the land. The enemies of God come to do battle against Israel, but they will actually do battle with the Lord. They think they're coming to fight Israel. They end up fighting the Lord. Uh, I think that they're in for a rude awakening. All right, that's what's going on in this controversy, in this battle. The rest of Isaiah chapter 34 is a cross-reference to Revelation chapter 19. So let's go to Revelation chapter 19 and look at it. Look at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Now, I want you to notice he's going to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So who is this? It's Jesus. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now that clothed in fine linen, white and clean, you know that that is you. Amen? That's believers clothed in white linen. All right? Look at verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it, that with it, he should smite, what? The nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So the, this, this idea, this is the battle of Armageddon. It's where God has gathered the nations to the valley of Jehoshaphat to do battle with them. Now, go back to Joel with me. I should have told you to keep your place there, but that's all right. Joel chapter 3, look at verse 9. Based on verse 9, some people call this the judgment of the Gentiles. You might have that footnote in your study Bible. Laura has that. Um, but it's the judgment of the nations. It's not only the... When you have the concept of judging the Gentiles, that's more, that sounds more like an individual or a personal judgment. No, that takes place at the great white throne judgment. This is the battle of... This is the, the judgment of nations. But this is where they might get this. Verse 9. Uh, Joel chapter 3 and verse 9. Proclaim ye among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Now, this, this ought to be an interesting passage to you right here. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Aren't you used to hearing it the other way around? Well, the other way around is in Isaiah chapter 2. Right here, he's saying, okay, all of you nations, now let the weak be made strong even you weak nations, come on and make battle against the Lord. This is a sobering passage of Scripture. A sobering passage of Scripture. Assemble yourselves, verse 11, and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord, thy mighty ones. Remember in, I, in Genesis chapter 6, the mighty, they were men of renown, mighty men of valor. Here you have again the battle with the sons of God. Supernatural battle in heaven, supernatural battle on earth, along with the nations. Um, then verse 12, Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I, I remember hearing a guy named Leland Kennedy preach a message on multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And he tried to preach this gospel message. And I remember sitting there listening to it thinking... That did not have anything to do with that passage. Doesn't have anything to do with it. This is talking about the heathen nations deciding whether they're going to come up against Israel and whether or not they're going to die before God. That's the decision they have to make right here. So this is an important passage. He will fight against these nations. Um, It's interesting. Isaiah... 2 and verse 4, where he says, I will learn war no more. I'll beat my plowshares or my, my uh, uh, swords into plowshares, uh, my pruning hooks or my spears into pruning hooks. They think they're going to bring peace to this world. The United Nations does. And the way that they think they're going to bring peace to this world is by giving away land in Israel that does not belong to them. How do you think, what do you think God thinks about that? He's going to make war with them. That's why he's coming back. That's why Jesus Christ returns, because things get so bad in Israel that he's got to come and set it straight. Um, Then, let's see. Look at Isaiah chapter 66. You all doing all right out there? Isaiah chapter 66. Look at verse 15. Remember what it says in Joel chapter 3. He's gathering these nations. And he's going to plead with them. He's going to plead with them. Let's let the Bible define what God means by pleading with the nations. All right? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind. Remember, we just saw that in Revelation 19, right? To render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. How is the Lord going to plead with these nations? With fire and with the sword. That's how the Lord pleads. Um... Look at Jeremiah, chapter 25. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, chapter 25, and look at verse 30. This is how the Lord settles the controversy in Zion. Therefore... Prophesy thou against all these, uh, against them, all these words, and say unto them, The Lord shall roar from on high. How about that? Can you imagine what that roar sounds like? The Lord shall roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Remember Revelation nineteen fifteen. He's going to tread the grapes of his wine press. Look at verse 31. A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth, and the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. That's the way that God is going to plead with the nations. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. Um, Go with me to... Let me just just remind you, what we just read is the context of Matthew chapter 25. In Isaiah 9-7, where the Bible says, um, His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, The Bible says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's what's happening here. When the government is upon his shoulder, he judges on this earth. Go to Isaiah chapter 2. We've talked about it, but I want you to see something that happens here. Isaiah chapter 2. Verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. At the end of this, nobody learns how to fight anymore. There's no reason to. And at the end of the millennium, when he looses Satan and he fights again... There's no battle. He just destroys them. There's no battle at all. So th- th- this, is the, this is just through cross-referencing. We're understanding what's going on. Here in Isaiah chapter 2, the Lord is sitting on the throne. They're no more learning war because they don't need to. Now go to Micah. Micah chapter 4. Micah chapter 4. A little bit after Joel. Verse chapter 4 and verse 1. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be uh, exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come up and say, Come. And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the, the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Micah chapter 4, that's Matthew chapter 25. He's going to judge among the nations. The Lord is returning to judge the earth as addressed. In Matthew chapter 25. Now, why is the Lord coming back? Why is he doing it? The Lord is coming back, first of all, to execute judgment when he fights the battle of Armageddon. That's what we have learned in Joel chapter 3. And then he's going to show his righteousness. But here in Micah, look at at Micah chapter 5 and verse 1. The basis of the judgment of Israel is how they have treated, or the basis of the judgment of the nations is how they've treated Israel. Remember? that the judgment seat of Christ were judged for our work, great white throne judgment. They are judged according to their works. Here at the judgment of the nations, they're judged for how they have ministered to the nation of Israel. Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return, Unto the children of Israel. So here's what God's talking about. At the end of the tribulation period, He will have, that is the time of travail. When you see that word travail in your Bible, it's like those days. It's dealing with the travail of Jacob, it is the tribulation of the people of Israel. At the end of that tribulation, they're finally going to be gathered to God. There are two gatherings in Joel. There's the gathering of the nations to make war and there's the gathering of the children of Israel back to a group of people that are known as the children of God. Um, Here in Micah chapter 5, you have the first coming and the second coming. The first time he came in verse 1, they smote the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. The second time he comes... He's going to judge them. Now, here's where this is so important. Do you remember when uh, God told Moses to smite the rock and water came out? Then the next time God told him to speak to the rock. But he was mad, and he hit the rock again. And because he hit the rock rather than speaking to it, he couldn't go into the promised land. After all that Moses had done, that seems kind of harsh to us. It shouldn't, because the rock is only going to be smitten once. You've got to understand that. That's what's being taught. He is going to be smitten once, and then he tasted death one time. One time. And then he's going to come back as judge. Um, but what's happening on earth when the Lord returns? When the Lord comes back, to, to He has this battle he, in, in the sky. He comes back and He is battling the nations. What's going on when He returns? Look at Zechariah. Zechariah, that's right before the last book of the Bible, Malachi. Zechariah chapter 12. The burden we Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens. Remember we talk about stretching forth the heavens, the firmament, all that. It's, it's all through your Bible. When you start seeing it, it's all through it. Um, and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Also, don't forget that when God is identifying his authority, He defines, he identifies himself as creator. That's why the concept of evolution should be so anathema. So... So horrific to a believer. Uh, Verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. Look at what it says. When they shall be in and siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. That's what's going to happen. That's the judgment of the nations. What's going on on earth when Jesus Christ returns is we're at the end of the tribulation period. Antichrist has brought the people against Israel, and it looks like they're going to be destroyed. So all of these nations have laid siege against Israel, against Jerusalem, and that's when Jesus Christ returns. Uh, And this is not for the rapture, remember. This is the second coming. Um, Now, Matthew 25 makes perfect sense. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 25. Um, We're going to come back to Zechariah, so don't lose that. But Matthew chapter 25... We could have just done, you know, four reasons, four steps on how to have a better personality. We could have done that tonight. We'll just, we'll just look at the Bible. You um, can't change your personality. All right. Matthew chapter 25, and look at verse 35. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. And you came unto me. You see, this is the state of the believers, believing Jews in Israel when the Lord returns. That's what's going on. That's described for us in Zechariah chapter 14. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 14. When we invaded Iraq the first time and the second time, when we invaded Iraq, we had humanitarian aid there before our soldiers. That's the way that we do battle. Isn't that right? We we try to... Remember the Marshall Plan. Rebuilding Japan. Rebuild Germany. That's that's the way that we are. We give aid even to our enemies. That's not the way that this war is going to be. No one is going to come to their aid. No one. Look at Zechariah chapter 14. Verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. That's an amazing passage of Scripture. The Lord himself is going to battle. Remember, Revelation chapter 19, he comes to battle. His name is the word of God. He's faithful and true. He's on the white horse. A sword is coming out of his mouth, and he's coming to do battle. Now, this is an interesting thing, and we don't have time to go into it tonight, but just make a mental note. How many of you remember my message on the gap theory? Any of you here for my message on the gap theory? All right. When he fought, when when do, did Satan fall? When were they? When were those those angels? A third of the angels cast down out of heaven. Look at this, Zechariah, chapter fourteen. Then shall verse three. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. When has the Lord fought in the day of battle? Show me any time in the Bible where God has actually fought. other than when he cast Satan out of heaven. It's an interesting passage. It's an interesting passage for you to think about. Okay, put that one away, and let's go back over. Um, Go with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Verse... Five. And as he spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences. And fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, and being brought before kings and rulers for my sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Jeff Faggard about this verse, said, this is what they're going to do, and the Lord's going to take it personally. The Lord's going to take it personally. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, verse 41, Matthew 25, 41, then shall he say unto then, he, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat; I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink; I was a stranger, and ye took me not in; naked, and ye clothed me not; sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. You see, when they treated Israel that way, as Jesus Christ prophesied, he takes it personally. That's the judgment of the nations. That's the wrath that Jesus Christ brings out. He's judging them for it. Psalm 917 talks about entire nations being cast into hell. And here's what we say. Man, I thought God was going to judge individuals. He is. He is at the great white throne judgment. But before that happens, He's going to judge these nations based on how they've treated His People, Israel, after the tribulation period. Remember what happens. Go back to Zechariah chapter 13, and you'll get the timing of it very clearly in the Word of God. Zechariah chapter 13. Look at verse 7. Um, you know what? If, if you look at verse 6... And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. And it shall come to pass... That in all the land, now the sheep, the shepherd is smitten. Is that right? The sheep are scattered. And then you have the church. That's what happens. You have the church. Now look at what happens. Church is raptured out. Verse 8 And it shall come to pass that in all the land, "...saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, tribulation, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people. And they shall say, The Lord is my God." So they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. Then, behold, the day of the Lord cometh. He comes to establish his kingdom. He gathers the nations against Israel. And then he fights against the nations. That is that is the judgment of the nations. Now we understand, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren. The brothers of Jesus Christ after the flesh are the Jews, Israel. That's what that passage is talking about. There's a a ministry called Inasmuch Ministries. I looked it up on the Internet. And it's just about doing good. You You have entire ministries, especially now we've got this horrible tragedy in Haiti. And what people say is, if we are Christians, if we are believers, if we're going to do what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 25, let's send them food. Let's send them money. Well, here's the deal we can send them food and money but not because of what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 25 you know what we ought to do because of Matthew chapter 25 make sure that our nation doesn't turn against Israel amen vitally important three judgments in the right order judgment begins at the house of God then when shall the sinners and ungodly where where shall they go because it says 1 Peter chapter 4 judgment begins at the house of God judgment seat of Christ believers are judged according to what sort of work they've done for the Lord. But they all go to heaven. The next thing happens. Jesus Christ returns. You have the judgment of the nations based on how they treated Israel. Christ rules and reigns for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan is loosed. He fights against Satan and those that follow him, they're destroyed. And then comes the great white throne judgment. At the great white throne judgment, all of these who have gone, been cast into hell, at the judgment of the nations and everyone else who has ever died who are not a part of the first resurrection, as it says in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 5, those who are not a part of that first resurrection, they all stand before God, the dead small and great at the great white throne. They're judged according to their works and death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And that's it. That's the end. And then we go into what the Bible describes as the day of God. Remember, you have the day of the Lord. That's when He returns to establish His kingdom. The day of the Lord. We've seen it all through this text tonight. Then you have the day of Christ. The day of Christ is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The day of Christ is when He comes to return for His church. That's also found in Philippians chapter 1. That's the rapture. Day of the Lord when He comes to establish His kingdom. The, The day of Christ, the rapture. Then we learn about the day of God. The day of God. God is eternal and you have eternity that comes through that's the order of what god is doing that's the judgment of the nations thank you lord for your word